0: Not Quite Dead. A Gal Pal horror movie discussion podcast. We do deep dives on our favorite scary movies. And sometimes we just keep it shallow. I'm your host, Megan. I'm Kate. Get ready for all the spoilers. (laughs) Have to s- <laughs> I think we have to start with Duck by talking about how this is the first Australian horror movie that we've reviewed and my family lives in Australia.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. Because I have some questions for you people.
0: i will uh i will disclaim here that i myself am not australian um but my parents and my my siblings they all live in australia um and uh have for years um so i'm adjacent to the culture you might say (laughs) but she's gonna
1: answer for you don't worry
0: yeah i i'm a i'm a designated authority i think Although, to be fair, I think I've only seen a couple of Australian horror movies, so I don't think that I can claim to be an expert on those.
1: You know what else is cool about the creation of this film is it's all females, right? The director, the writer, the the crew. Yes. Yeah. Oh,
0: man, I'm going to wildly speculate here, but I feel like around when this movie came out and I watched it, um, that I had read that the director had written this movie or had wanted to um be involved with this movie because it was about motherhood like i feel yeah. like I re- recall her saying like yeah it's a horror movie but it's more than that it's a movie about motherhood which is just like the most horrifying thing imaginable
1: especially after watching this movie i i'm like I mean, yeah, I read this movie as somebody being very resistant to the idea of being a parent.
0: I feel the same, and I find this movie very hard to watch. I had seen it, I think, a couple times before this, but it's been years since I watched it. I reluctantly watched this movie exactly once (laughs) for this podcast, and I took no notes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I could only stomach it once. Actually, that's not true, Kate. I did watch it the first time, took my notes, and watched it again with Zach.
0: Yeah, I the first time I watched it, I was I thought it was good, but I thought, oh, this is one of those movies that you just watch once because it's hard to stomach. It's And not in a gore, gruesome, horrible way, but in that, like, um, requiem for a dream, like, psychologically exhaustive type movie.
1: Oh, I do love that movie, though. I can rewatch that. But this, this is tough. I had a really hard time getting past the kid.
0: The kid is so hard. Although I will say that this third time that I had seen it, I was like I feel like it's the kids fault that everything is so <laughs> terrible. <laughs> but also, also the mom feels very deeply at fault here too. Their whole situation's terrible, but I'm just like I feel like both of you got yourselves into this mess.
1: <laughs> well, she's the parent, so that makes sense. But man, this kid is hard to deal with and he's hard to stomach for what an hour and a half. How long is this movie? Two this hours? Movie's
0: an hour it feels like two hours. This it movie does is an hour and thirty-five. It's, yeah. It's pretty quick and it feels like it takes so long. And I think it's because every scene with this kid is like nails on a chalkboard. It is so hard. It's they the director, Jennifer Kent, who um I checked, she did write the screenplay as well. Um absolutely phenomenal job of creating some very unlikable characters like they're well written they're so well written to be unlikable
1: and you're also supposed to root for them which they're sympathetic but they're sympathetic to the point of being obnoxious Ugh, god they're so annoying
0: it just is so claustrophobic like like everything about this movie you're just like i'm in a little box with these characters and I don't even want to be in here with them for an hour and a half. I don't know how. And I feel like Amelia, the mother, that must be what her entire life feels like. Her entire life must feel like this little box that she just can't get out of.
1: Right. If I can't stand 90 minutes with this kid, how has she spent six years with him?
0: I do not know. Yeah, and the answer is that she just doesn't sleep. And she comes very close to just uh, letting the baba duck take over take care of business
1: hmm are we skipping ahead to the end are we wrapping this up
0: yeah i mean (laughs) i give it i give it three ducks out of five (laughs) Um, a ba
1: and a bob but no duke
0: (laughs) 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 so this movie um came out in 2014 um really well received just a very well received movie it's a good
1: movie. I I will say I think it's a good movie.
0: Yeah, I would say it's good, not entertaining. And I think that I think I like always struggle to like differentiate between the two. But it's one of those movies where you're like, wow, it took a lot of artistry to craft something that is so like, difficult and real and like awful to watch and be a part of and like thank you but no thank you I would not like to watch this anymore
1: (laughs) and here we are yeah I I remember watching it at work we both watched it in the office I think together maybe you weren't there that day but we put it on in the office and um Nate you know that guy who's afraid of scary movies he was okay (laughs) with it and I was like Yeah I can see why. It it really wasn't scary to me.
0: It's not scary. There's a couple of jump scares um, but I think that the central character of the Babadook is not a scary figure.
1: No. No. He he scuttles around kind of creepy but he's not really that intimidating.
0: No and even the even the the way that they film him, it has this almost stop motion quality to it. And it's just not really filmed in a way that a lot of other horror movies are filmed. Um, Like we said, and we'll probably say a million times in this episode that the scary, anxiety inducing parts are when she is having to, mother or be by herself it's like you get these little bolts of anxiety during the movie um but not because of the Duck, but because like she checks her phone and she has 18 missed calls and you're like oh my god her son probably killed someone like you're just like that's that's what you're afraid of
1: <laughs> yeah the scary part is living inside this woman's head with this kid he is so unlikable
0: Um, so should we get into it? Should we kind of talk through our our characters here that we've got? We've talked, you know, about how unlikable this kid is. I kind of want to say why he's so (laughs) unlikable.
1: Yeah, we should. He's constantly screaming for one thing. Yeah, He just screams at the top of his lungs. And I just want to wring his little neck.
0: Yeah, his name's Samuel. He's, um, six years old, almost seven. Um. And uh, his little life is just him and his mom, Amelia. It's just the two of them because uh, while she was being driven to the hospital the night she was to give birth to Samuel, they get into a car accident and her husband dies.
1: Womp womp.
0: I know. Just this like horrifically tragic situation. And we jump ahead to six years later with Samuel and... It just feels like Amelia never established any kind of discipline or boundaries with her child.
1: Yeah, she's so guilty in this movie. Like, she doesn't allow herself to enjoy anything. And also, really doesn't allow her son to enjoy anything. She yeah. She's kind of miserable for both of them.
0: It's really hard because... She, as the movie goes, she gets more and more like this too, especially towards the end. Um, She vacillates really hard between being really harsh with him and telling him no and then immediately changing tone and being super sweet and giving him whatever he wants. Yeah. So she'll be mad at him for like bringing metal darts to school and then on the drive home, she'll say like, let's go to the shops. We can get you a candy. Don't be sad. I don't want you to be sad. Like she's just so all over the place with her parenting style that it's like, of course you have a little kid who has no idea how to take no or what's right and what's wrong. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We should probably caveat that neither of us are parents and are just wildly speculating on how easy it is to like raise children.
1: Yeah, I will say that this mom looks like she doesn't have it easy, but I also will say that it doesn't look like she's doing a very good job. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair to say.
0: <laughs> there are very few characters in this movie. One of them is her sister Claire who is also the worst.
1: Oh, she sucks. This whole family's dysfunctional.
0: Well, I feel so... Okay, so I feel really bad for Amelia. And I, you know, vacillate too between feeling really, really guilty for her horrible situation. Like, I cannot imagine having to raise a child by yourself after, like, the devastation of losing your husband. Like, it's unimaginable.
1: And you're, like, trading in your husband for your kid, basically. Because that's what happened to her. Yeah. She lost her husband the day she had a kid. Like... You're going to feel some resentment.
0: Yeah, and it just seems like she was never able to process the grief of losing her husband. And um, she's in denial that she wasn't able to process that grief. And everyone around her is, like, kind of walking on eggshells all the time about about it, even though it's been six years.
1: Yeah, I can see why Claire is a bitch to her, but, like... She's still a bitch.
0: She is so. She's terrible not nice. Her, she's so terrible to her sister, and she's just pretty openly disdainful of Samuel, who's her nephew. Like they're related, and she's not like, "Hey, Amelia, it looks like you haven't slept in three weeks. Why don't you let Samuel stay the night here for one night so you can actually get some sleep?" Like, there's no kind of, there's no support system for her yeah. and her family at all, which is just so sad.
1: Yeah. And this, well, Sam's cousin is also a dick to Sam because he learns this from Claire, from the mother. So their birthdays, Sam and his cousins are close enough where they, like, share the same birthday and they, and it's never on Sam's birthday. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so sad because that's, that's because his mother still hasn't figured out how to move on like it's affecting everyone in the family.
0: I know. It's really sad because I just want to like sit every character in this movie down and say, "Okay, you need like grief counseling and you need like an IEP plan in your in your school." <laughs> <laughs> and you and you need to learn how to be a nice sister. Like I just want to be like this is what all of you need, but none of them are like Especially Amelia, I feel like none of them have the time to learn how to emotionally deal with a lot that they've been dealt. Like Amelia is just so like I have to drag my kid to school after a night of no sleep, and then I have to drag <laughs> myself to work and work my terrible job, and then I get what um, is her
1: job anyway? To do bingo?
0: Is that um, her job? It, <laughs> it looks like she's just kind of a <laughs> general hospice type worker. Because, um, like, we see her, like, making coffee for the elderly people, and she runs bingo games and, like, was kind of washing dishes at one point.
1: Yeah. I felt like a majority of the movie showing her at work showed her playing bingo.
0: Maybe yeah. that's just
1: me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just pretty funny. It's – and she's a shift worker, um, and so she call, she calls in sick – at one point, and her boss is kind of like, well, I'm just going to give all your shifts away. And it's like, no, you need work. like (laughs) Amelia, what are you doing?
1: (laughs) Man, what a shit job and a shit son and a shit family.
0: I know. What a
1: shit life.
0: You watch this, and you're just like, how easy would it be to fall into a situation that would make you this person, that would make you always on edge, unable to kind of control the things around you. A kid who's just kind of like awful to be around because he doesn't understand that he is dangerous. Oh, we haven't really touched on this. Is that his favorite oh, ho- right. His favorite hobby is crafting extremely dangerous and <laughs> deadly objects <laughs> and taking them to school and using them against other children. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he's – and he has no boundaries he just oh i think what happens is what is he like shoot out a window with his crossbow yeah
0: yeah, he has all of these devices and he's kind of like he he kind of is like one of those i'm acting out a hero type kids (laughs) um and so he is like i'll protect you i'll fight against the monsters i'll beat the bad guys but he's like breaking windows or he's you know Breaking his cousin's no, like he's always just kind of hurting someone <laughs> or getting really close to like very dangerously hurting someone.
1: And his magic tricks are super lame. I it, they reminded <laughs> me of that site Maddox. You ever you ever visit the Maddox site?
0: Uh uh-uh, uh
1: Maddox is this like online. He's this blogger. He's he's had he's had a book. He's pretty famous. Um, and he has a YouTube channel. Anyway, he like shares these terrible drawings that kids do like parents will send in goofy drawings of uh that their kids do and he posts them on his site and tends to grade them all f's and then (laughs) talks about how shitty all the drawings are but that's kind of what these magic tricks reminded me of and i was just like god is this all this kid has to offer I really have no love for this kid yet at this point in the movie. <laughs> I'm still ripping on the kid in, in the at this point in the movie. And I and think they want
0: you to. Yeah.
1: They yeah. really set you up to hate this kid and feel bad for the mom.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's on like a multiple viewings of this that you start to feel like, okay, Amelia. Like you don't have to give in every time he screams, and maybe right. if you didn't give in every time he screamed, maybe he wouldn't be like this. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't think we're supposed to like Sam quite this early in the movie.
1: No. And then Sam introduces us to Baba Duke.
0: Ah, yes. Which I think that the introduction of the concept of the Baba Duke is um, a really cool part of the movie. It
1: is. I love that book. I love the illustrations.
0: Yeah, so they find um a book and they find it on their doorstep, right? I no, think it's on their it's just, shelf. It's just it's, on it's the just, shelf. Yeah, like, that's right. To start, it's just, who on just their has their a book
1: like that that they've that they're not familiar with.
0: <laughs> It'd be so yeah. weird. It's a it's Sam's turn to pick um a bedtime story that's right and he pulls this book off the shelf and um, Amelia starts reading it and it's a, it's a hand-drawn book uh, with this it's like a, a pop-up nursery book. rhyme and it's like, yeah, like a handmade pop-up book. Yeah. Super cool. And <laughs> I just love the moment where Amelia's like, maybe we don't read this book because it seems a little scary because she knows how it's going to go. And um, then it transitions into him just like <laughs> screaming wailing. mercilessly so loudly like it's amazing how much this kid screams in this movie I
1: know and she just has to sleep in bed with him now because he's scared by the damn book he picked out I know this. <laughs> I love how the book just like it takes it from like 0 to like 11 real fast it's just he's like slicing off people's heads and stuff towards end. <laughs>
0: Yes, I like the little touch where the first time they see the book, the character who is um, featured in the book is a little boy character mm-hmm. to start, um, and then that changes as the movie goes, which is yeah. Really cool. Yeah, I kind of
1: was thinking that the Babadook must hop around from person to person.
0: Hmm. Yeah, which is interesting because the the book explains that um, you hear a knocking on your door, a little duk duk duck, and that's when, you know, the duck has arrived. Um, and they they hear that, and that's when Sam starts seeing the duck, and Amelia just doesn't believe him.
1: Yeah. I mean, how could you? I was thinking about that while I was watching this, and I was like, I, I couldn't believe my kid either. Like, how could you at this point?
0: Right. If you had a kid like this who was already kind of like high imagination high drama (laughs) you would just be like i don't care if you see the babadook in the car with us you're keeping your seatbelt on and you need to stop crying (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah but then the babadook starts doing shit to them like we start to see traces of the babadook remember when Mm -hmm. he puts glass in that terrible porridge
0: they make the weirdest food choices in this movie i was watching her make it and this i was must like be is an this...
1: australian thing
0: <laughs> i was like is this actual gruel like <laughs> I, uh, I i can't tell what this like grayish beige mess is but um there's glass in her bowl and the look that she gives sam is just like a i can't believe you put glass in my like, <laughs> like she a thinks death stare him. yeah yeah she thinks it's him um, so
1: porridge with glass in it is not a traditional Australian breakfast.
0: Not typically. it's not like a <laughs> like a Weetabix type type dish. Um, but what else happens? Um you know, Sam uh screams in the car because he sees it. Um, he claims oh, that he sees it around the house.
1: Yeah, well, we start to see Amelia like speak up for herself a little bit right because she goes to that birthday party and there's some bitches there that are like you know being uppity and rich and and obviously she's not rich like she's clearly the odd woman out at that party
0: it's so uncomfortable her sister claire is throwing in the party is the birthday party that sam is not allowed to share anymore because her uh her niece wants to have her own birthday party now and the thing that really stands out is when that one woman says oh i i work with underprivileged women like you Ah! (laughs) who says
1: that i mean even for a rich person like that seemed really really obviously in poor taste but then amelia kind of like gives it back right and she's just like oh yeah i'm really sorry that your gym is down you stupid bitch. I don't know. She says something <laughs> great.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I, it's good. Was, yeah. Yeah. All these she, first uh, world problems. She stands up for herself and it's, it's like a mix of Duck and also her just severe sleep deprivation, I think is just putting her yeah. so on edge where she's like, I can't go into work because I just haven't slept in days. And so she gets snappy with her work where she's like, I'm not coming in. You need to deal with my shift because I'm too sick to come in. And it is nice to see her just like taking some time for herself in these scenes.
1: Yeah, it seems like the Babadook is giving her some confidence because of, I don't know, whatever like ethereal power he's throwing out. It just seems like this is where you get the sense that the Babadook is starting to, like, impress yeah. upon these people.
0: Yeah, because it's confidence. Or but her. We, he yeah. was impressing
1: upon Sam. We know that. All fucking screaming he does.
0: Yeah, he reveals himself to Sam. Sam can see him and is terrified of him, but the Babadook is not interested in Sam. The Babadook is only interested in really getting its hooks into Amelia and you know, taking her for a ride. Yeah. I think the confidence that she has is so tinged with rage. Like her it's just it's just like she's finally feeling her anger in the Baba Duck.
1: Yeah, he's like helping her get it out.
0: Yeah. Like she's He's she's like here,
1: let like- me show you all these ways you can be really angry. <laughs>
0: Glass and porridge. Yeah, she's like, you know, she sticks up for herself, but is, like, mean when she does it. She has this really sweet old neighbor, and she's kind of just, like... Oh, right. Yeah, and she's, like, kind of a little brusque with her neighbor because she's, like, Sam is bothering you. Like, you need to just, like, tell him to go away. And it's, like, your neighbor also seems lonely and seems like someone you could lean (laughs) on a a little bit for some support here.
1: (laughs) It seems like they should just live together or, like have dinner together all the time right like here's your friend
0: like help each other like you can do all of the stuff that this poor old woman can't do and she'll she can actually like stand being around your son and finds him charming the only person in the world lean on this
1: (laughs) (laughs) don't waste that (sighs) i know yeah this girl, she needs a nap. I feel so bad for her. At this point in the in the movie, they do focus a lot on her needing sleep. And she just, like, screams at him, right? Like, like to just leave her the fuck alone so that she can sleep at some point later in the movie.
0: Yeah, later in the movie, when the Babadook is really starting to infect her, uh, she's just like, I don't care if you're hungry. I am going to sleep right now. Like she just totally turn on, turns on him and has this like fantastic line that she says to him. <laughs> he's so hungry and he's like, "But mom, what am I supposed to eat? I can't do an Australian accent. I'm not yeah, going to." Uh, yeah, it. no. And she's
1: like, <laughs> she's like, "You can eat shit." <laughs> to Her six-year-old son.
0: Oh my gosh. And then this is where she has one of those moments where then like five minutes later she's like, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I said that. Let's have ice cream for dinner. Yeah. And like, if you were that little boy, you would just be like, I don't know what kind of mom I'm going to get from one moment to the next.
1: Yeah. She seems very bipolar. Uh,
0: It's, and this is where you start to feel, (laughs) it's not until the babado comes out that you start to feel bad for Sam. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) At this point you're like. All right, maybe that's a little far. Well, yeah,
1: I feel like the Babadook, like, infiltrates the mom and it scares the shit out of Sam. And he's like, oh, I better get my shit together or we're both going to die.
0: Yes. So the Babadook kind of appears in, when he does show up, he appears in a few different forms. um, And one of them is this kind of cockroachy type appearance. And there's a a scene in the movie where Amelia has, you know, her son has been taken out of school. She may have lost her job. Um, It's been like a couple of days of some steep downhill action for them. And she sees a a cockroach in her kitchen and she follows it back to behind the fridge. And there's this like horrible hole behind the fridge that's just spewing cockroaches (sighs) out. And so she goes into hardcore cleaning mode where she's, like, deep cleaning, bleaching her kitchen. Everything is out. And um, this, like, I don't know if you ever, ever had bugs in your house. It's, oh, I, I have. I'm, like, so, like, wigged out, like, by it. Um, when we were living in Santa Clara, um, one of the houses, the house that we were renting um, had a silverfish infestation oh, at one man. point so we had to get that taken care of and like it was horrifying um and so she's in the middle of like deep cleaning when child protective services shows up it's so perfect like and on the one hand i wanted to be like no cps don't worry she's cleaning she's not like i don't know on a bender right now she's or not like she's
1: filling a bathroom with you know chemical vapors and sticking her child inside of it she is legit trying to clean up some roaches oh also don't mind the roaches her house has a monster in it it's not this woman's fault
0: (laughs) i know and she's like oh i i had a cockroach problem and then she just looks crazy because like they follow her into the kitchen and of course there's no roaches there's no hole just kind of this like paranoid delusion that they think that she's having the cherry on top is that um is that Sam's on, Sam is on that sedative at this point.
1: Oh, yes. And he tells them about it, right?
0: Yeah. He's such and a blabbermouth. Like, he's like, I just don't feel good because my mom's got me on drugs. And it's like, <laughs> Sam, go to sleep. <laughs>
1: Get out of here. Oh, uh, my gosh. Yeah. he And then he tells people, he just like will randomly tell people about his mother no his father dying in that car crash and i'm just like kid
0: i cool it honestly i honestly like love that though because it like feels like sam has like internalized and processed it better than his mom has oh
1: for sure but it still drives me bonkers (laughs) like give your mom a break
0: (laughs) yeah i that for some reason it doesn't bug me because it just feels like he knows that it's fine he's like oh this is just my life this is just normal. Yeah,
1: you? it's really funny. <laughs> well, oh, and she man. she's not like she doesn't process it, so he doesn't seem to understand that it hurts her because she won't mm-hmm. talk about it. Yeah, it's such a mess. They're such a mess. But anyways, so she's like the Babadook is also manifesting through her, you know, mm-hmm. in the way she behaves and like how nasty she becomes to her neighbor. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's a car accident she's in and she like tells the guy off right
0: yeah she she, she kind of tells him off but then she also just drives off yeah she like just does not run. give a fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's wild
1: yeah uh,
0: the appearance of the Babadook as a villain is so interesting because he is this kind of humanized form with his silly little face and his black top hat and his long black coat, but... And his
1: stock sound effect noise.
0: His sound effects, yes. What do you think about these sound effects? It's weird.
1: It's like they started investing a lot in... I think the acting is great. The writing is great. The idea is interesting. Um that book is fucking beautiful and then they're like we ran out of money here's 20 bucks let's get the we scream and use it for our <laughs> monster. <laughs> like why guys? <laughs> That's like that was the only thing about this movie that felt cheap.
0: There's part of me that thinks that it's deliberate but I cannot for the life of me figure out what the reasoning is only because they have this stock sound effect scream type noise that they use plus later in the movie there's kind of a stock like almost a dinosaur roar type sound effect that they use it sounds very jurassic park and then they watch a lot of tv in this movie yeah tv that they watch is almost exclusively like black and white silent films yeah and i don't get it like i don't really don't know what i don't really know what they're trying to get at here with like. Isn't that All just of, what Australians watch? Oh, that's right. I forgot. They haven't actually, like, done any, like, television programming in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> they
1: just watch old movies and also have, like, American English newscasters for some
0: reason. Is that normal? And they watch a, a lot of infomercials, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like it was either, like, a budgetary constraint. This movie was only a $2 million budget. Super, super cheap. And uh, that was their constraint or that uh, they're trying to lean into this like kind of more surreal element of the movie, which the only like tie of the sound effect and then the TV into the real life surrealism is um, at the very end of the movie with uh, the bird, which we can we can get to when we get to the bird.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, now that she's becoming, like, more like the Duke, you also see this flip in their character, like, between her and Sam, Amelia and Sam. She becomes like Sam. Like, nobody wants to be around her. Everyone kind of side-eyes her. The fucking dog is terrified of her. And yeah. Sam is trying to protect everybody. He's yes, like, Sam- I will save us.
0: <laughs> yeah, Sam is like... This is what I have been training for. This is what all of my tools and my tricks and my booby traps have been made for. Yeah. (sighs) Yes. And she gets even meaner, even nastier. I hate this trope in horror movies because it just kills me. But whenever there's a dog in a horror movie. Oh, yeah. The odds of that dog making it (laughs) to the end are quite slim. Same thing for this dog.
1: Yeah, he gets it. They did foreshadow it in the book. They that, did. Yeah. Yes.
0: This this fantastic looking book which Amelia went through the effort of um shredding it, throwing it away. It came back. She burns it. Burned, she burned it <laughs> and it comes back. Like this book keeps coming back. And when it comes back again, it's instead of a little boy figure in it, it's her and it shows an alternate ending with um her killing the dog, <laughs> killing her son, and then killing herself. Yeah, she loses it. And she's freaked out. She's so freaked out. And when she takes this like sharp turn into Duck territory, um she she takes out the dog. Yeah. Yeah. We
1: saw that coming. It's okay, guys. It was not real. It was just a movie. The dog is fine. all right but uh, yeah, I feel like the Baba Duke at this point is like is not it's crossed over into being a metaphor. Like it's no longer a real villain. Like she's the villain. She's, yes, she's got like whatever she's holding back her grief, her. Inability to stand up for herself, her bad parenting, it just like manifests into this like monster and takes over her. And I feel like the end of the movie really captures that. Like yes, this is, totally this monster agree. is not about a monster, it's about the monster within.
0: Yes. Yeah. I feel like it is a true monster early on when it's this invisible. Force kind of terrorizing Sam, and it feels really like the more she's in denial of the Baba Duck being real, the stronger it takes hold in her. The more that she is fantasizing about killing Sam, her killing the dog, she has moments where she gets like kind of pulled back into herself. Like, when she rips out her tooth and, like, throws it on the ground and then hears that the neighbor's at the front door. She has, like, this little moment where where you're, like, oh, she's, like, oh, shit, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, what is wrong with me? And then she's, like, oh, I have to go, like, put on a show for the neighbor to, like, make sure that everything's okay.
1: Yeah. I like yeah. how they uh, black out her eyes when she's Babadook. That's cool. That's always a cool, subtly scary effect.
0: Yep. Her black eyes. Yeah. It's really good. And she uh she gets manipulative um as the Baba Duck when she wants to really go after Sam, you know, she's like, um, the dog is hurt. Like, we have to go <laughs> take the dog to the vet. Like, you don't want her to die, do you? And then she's like, open the door. Like she just like she just is like switches on a dime again to try and get him out. And Sam, meanwhile, is just, like, he's, like, mentally stealing himself for, like, having to try and grievously injure his mom. Yes.
1: <laughs> you can tell he doesn't want to. But um, he knows she's
0: the duck. He knows that it's the Duck that's doing it.
1: Yeah. Somehow he Sam him. is going to end up saving the day. It's very obvious. And it's like, ugh, God, this kid. But now I feel for him. Ugh, that's also annoying. <laughs> he ties his mom up
0: like yeah first though we go through this very homologous sequence of him like doing a trip wire on his mom and hitting her in the forehead and like hitting her in the stomach with a ball it's very like it's not slapstick but it's like approaching slapstick for a minute there um and then when he finally knocks her out in the basement um she wakes up and she's like full like she looks like she's possessed by a demon when she wakes up And he has tied
1: her down with ropes like she can't move. I mean, she can move, but she can't get up. Like, how did this six-year-old do this? That's crazy.
0: I was happy that um, she was able to get an an arm out, though. Yeah. Because I was like, okay, that feels more realistic because the original ties on her, I was like – I know this kid has been watching magic videos probably his whole life, but I don't buy it.
1: (laughs) I know he's still just a six-year-old kid. Yeah. Anyway, um, she looks grotesque.
0: She does. She's just like she's bloody and like she's um, got her black eyes and um, she's fighting against the Babadook um in her and she's like oh I just need to get rid of it and she like has this relatively like short vomit like oh yeah I was like I was like oh that's like I don't know if you have a full stomach and like drink a Lacroix too fast you'd like vomit that much like it doesn't look like they are no. vomiting a lot right now <laughs> it was like black
1: though right or was it yeah blood? it's like was it meant oils, to be... like okay I
0: think it's black it's like this black like sludge like comes out of her and she's like, We're safe. And um I do like the little gotcha moment of the kids saying, like, oh, the baba duck doesn't go away. Like that's not what it does. And they had have to fight it again in the house.
1: Yeah, she has to yell at it. So she yells at it. And yeah. then it's I guess scared and runs away
0: yeah <laughs> like literally this a, is what
1: happens at the end
0: yeah it like it so it takes off all of its like outer clothes and becomes this giant big blackness and it they like mutually scream at each other and then it like backs down and then like cockroach crawls into the basement and she just like slams the door on it and that's yeah. it that's the movie not quite the movie but, but like that's it. but
1: that's the Babadook. Okay, so this is the part in the movie where I was like, okay, they've gone full metaphor because this doesn't make any sense. Like, within the context of the movie, in the literal sense, why are you keeping a Babadook in the downstairs basement? And why why did you only have to yell at it? Like, it just made no sense from the rest of the movie.
0: Yeah, I think that the switch from literal to metaphor really weakens the monster um because at the very end of the movie we've got amelia um w- walking into her basement that's now outfitted with a bunch of locks around the door and she feeds she's feeding the joke. she's keeping it in the basement and she feeds it and it tries to attack her she does like a little dodge to it and then is able to to leave it and then go back and hang out with Sam and watch him do some magic tricks.
1: Yeah. And he, like, is aware that they're also keeping the Babadook as a pet.
0: Yes. What is your <laughs> speculation on this? Why do you think that this is the way it is? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have. I think I have a couple ideas. So, yeah, I I think it's it's supposed to be a metaphor for... Those skeletons in your closet that you're trying to suppress, it, it's its mm-hmm. a metaphor for them acknowledging that they exist. And yeah. they're, there's no way to really kill that. In real life, there is no way to really eliminate that completely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: As for why they would keep it in the basement, I feel that's... That's... Maybe it's a way for her to keep her confidence up, but without letting it, her total, you know, her ego take over completely. It sort of like Mm. symbolizes that in a way, but fuck if I know, like, why she would do it in the movie. (laughs) It seems totally bizarre to me.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting take. One I hadn't thought of, I think, along really similar lines, my take on it was that this is a metaphor for um, mental illness likely depression or just her gigantic unresolved grief and similarly to the skeletons in your closet that you can't get rid of I think that the metaphor of oh once you have a duck, you always have a duck" really rings true for mm. like any kind of mental illness like once you have depression or anxiety or this kind of um, like post-traumatic stress, which I'm sure she has PTSD from this accident that she never really resolved. You kind of always have it and you just learn to live with it. And so her keeping it locked in the basement is like, I'm going to live my life and I have to periodically check in on this like Mm. mental illness that I'm locking away to like make sure it doesn't get out of control but like I still have to manage it in like a little way but I'm not I'm gonna aggressively compartmentalize it I'm just gonna put it in the basement <laughs> in the basement and I'm, gonna, and I'm gonna try not to look at it but when I do have to go look at it we're gonna make it quick I'm gonna get down there I'm gonna manage it and then I'm gonna try to get back to my life yeah yeah
1: but why did Amelia keep the monster in her basement like uh, in a literal sense I have no idea.
0: Yeah. That's why I think that it has to be <laughs> read as metaphor because yeah. because if you think about it in terms of like, why would Amelia keep this monster in her basement? The only thing that the movie actually gives us to go off of is, the, is that the book says, once you have a Babadook, you can't get rid of it. Right. And so if she's like, wow, I really wasn't actually able to get rid of this then she just has to put it somewhere. And I guess she has to keep it in her basement where she can lock it up. That's true. It's not very satisfying, but that's the only kind of literal take I think we can get.
1: Yeah. And that's why I don't think this movie is that scary. I feel like the metaphor is way stronger than the literal or like the the part that really gets to the part of my brain that makes me scared it just wasn't scary like yeah Yeah. i live with that shit too i don't know (laughs) it sucks
0: i mean we all do i think that's why people respond to it is it's like um the metaphor can be read so many different ways like skeletons in your closet or mental illness or grief or just like like anger like i think that so much of this movie is like this woman trying to repress the absolute rage she has about the horrible life that she's living Like, if you were in that situation where you were like, I hate my life and it makes me angry and I'm never allowed to talk about it because if I do, people just tell me that I should be grateful that I'm alive. Like, you would be full of rage all the time. And like, you would also like break and like murder your dog and think about killing your child.
1: Yeah. I do think this is a movie about acceptance, like accepting who you are and accepting who others are you know her son likes weapons her son has attention issues or you know he's he's kind of kooky and like but she accepts him and she's found a way for him to play with his crossbow in the yard without hurting anybody and you know she's working with what she has a bit better yeah at the end of the movie
0: yeah i think that's totally right it's yeah it's a really it's a really strong film. It's the acting is great. Um, I don't know how they're able to get that child actor. He was good. To, like, yeah. Like he was so convincing. So convincing because he doesn't seem like he's acting. He just seems like they took an awful child and dropped him on set. And they were like, this and, is your mom. <laughs>
1: an awful child with a heart of gold. <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh, before we wrap up the the plot review and and synopsis, how um how about that bird at the end?
1: Uh, yeah, what? Like his mother didn't know that was there. <laughs> That's the real magic trick.
0: Sam does a magic trick at the end of the movie that is like an actual magic trick where he conjures up a dove. <laughs> and Amelia is just like, "Oh, now where did that come from?" And it's like what <laughs> seven?
1: <laughs> oh yeah he does finally get to have his own birthday party which is nice
0: yeah he has his own party
1: yeah so child services is like oh, okay we're cool that works <laughs> yeah
0: weird movie yeah. yeah i would i would recommend it i think that um i think that it's a, a very like I'm trying to think of the words a very like particular movie of of its time I think that it's definitely more a message movie than like a thrill movie like we've been saying but I think the acting's pretty stellar I think the writing's really good too um it's pretty rare to find a movie that like makes you so uncomfortable that you're just like wow I hate everything about this (laughs) but they did a good job
1: that's true yeah I do I do Not enjoy a lot of this movie, but not because it's not done well, and that's that's a weird thing to achieve,
0: (laughs) yeah. I mean, I know you said that you like Requiem for a Dream, but I put Requiem for a Dream like in that category of like stellar movie, really hard to watch. Um, Grave of the Fireflies, I've never seen seen that one. No, um, it's an anime uh movie, um, it's a Hayao Miyazaki um mm. he did like uh my neighbor totoro um like those movies Grave of the Fireflies is, is just like a relentlessly tragic movie and it's just like so hard to watch cuz like every like step that they take you're like why are you doing this <laughs> it's just going to lead to more tragedy and then it does
1: <laughs> i went through a phase and i think it's still it's like you know, these things taper off. It's it, it's gray. But um for a period of time where I really just loved hard to watch movies and only hard to watch movies. Like mm-hmm. Precious. Um yeah, uh I can't think right now. Uh Boys I Don't have, Cry.
0: You're
1: Yes. Yes, yes, yeah. that was a good yeah. one.
0: I went through a phase like that too where I was just like let's get wrecked yep (laughs) (laughs) let's just ruin our night and watch something difficult
1: and yeah and the older i get the you know i i'm just less interested in watching people suffer and be miserable and that seems to be a lot of this movie
0: (laughs) i know it's such a feat of acting to achieve and so there's like a voyeuristic part of myself that wants to witness it to see like I don't know, Dallas Buyers Club is kind of yeah. like, you know, a bunch of tragic characters um, just going through it, and um, it's really cathartic to, like, watch something really sad or horrible um, get that kind of voy- voyeuristic feel out of it, but it's, yeah, I find, I, I mean, maybe it's the pandemic, maybe it's just getting older or something, but I just, I don't go for it quite as much as I used to.
1: Well, I don't re-watch it, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I typically don't either, so this is probably <laughs> me me closing the book on Babadook for a while.
1: <laughs> uh, but we, we do have our question of the episode for our final sticker of the season. If you've been following yes. along and getting stickers, which none of you have, so I know you haven't. That's all right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're keeping tabs on you, and we know not a one of you has participated in a sticker challenge but that will not stop us from asking our question so listen to the question um leave your response to this question on our instagram post and uh, we'll ship you a sticker for free so play along our question for this episode is what did you fear as a child megan what were you afraid of
1: kate i'll be honest with you i've been thinking about this all episode. And before, when I originally posed this question and immediately regretted it, um, I could not tell you what I was afraid of as a child. Like, I wasn't afraid of ghosts or boogeymen or my stuffed animals coming alive or anything like that. Um, I think what I feared most as a child was getting in trouble. I'll be honest with you. I just was afraid of punishment or of like being told, yeah, of being told I was doing something wrong. I never wanted to do anything wrong. Kate, I was such a goody two shoes.
0: Is that why you're such a rule follower now too?
1: I think so. I have I really had that uh, respect of authority beat into my brain as a kid. <laughs>
0: Oh man, so interesting. We're getting psychological it... here at not quite <laughs> dead.
1: <laughs> I bet you have something good. What were you afraid of?
0: All right. When I was six years old, I went to my first sleepover party and heard my first scary story. And I remember it was a girl from school, um, and she had invited it was a large sleepover party. She'd invited other girls from our class, plus She had a bunch of like cousins, plus she had siblings too. So I remember we all had sleeping bags in her living room. And one of the girls who was older said, Oh, we should all tell a scary story. So we'll go around the room and every person will tell a scary story. And I had never heard a scary story before. And so I didn't have one to contribute. And the first scary story that was told was what was by one of the older girls. And No other story came even close to touching how absolutely terrified I was of this story. And now I know as an adult, because I've seen it online referenced, is that this is a pretty like standard, like urban legend type story. (laughs) Um, But I had never heard anything like this in my entire young life. And I remember not being able to fall asleep at this sleepover party because I was so terrified of this story.
1: Are you going to tell it?
0: I am. It is the... well, I don't have to tell the whole story, but i'll I'll tell the highlights of it, which is um there's a a young woman who is um um staying home alone. her parents are traveling um and she has her pet dog and her house is on, is on like multiple stories and she's in bed one night and um she's kind of nervous because she'd seen that there was a Maniac serial killer on the loose, like in their city, right? You probably heard this one. Um, she's got her dog, so she like pets her dog, like you know, her dog's like down, like by the side of her bed. She pets her dog, and the dog like licks her hand. Um, and and she um she hears like she hears like a, a faucet's like leaking, so she goes down and she checks the kitchen, she checks the bathroom, and she's like, she's like, oh, I don't see anything. She goes back to bed checks on her dog dog licks her hand she hears the dripping she checks the dripping again and again and then eventually like late late in the night she goes into like her parents bathroom or whatever and um she sees her uh dog is hung from the <laughs> shower head and its throat has been slashed oh, the and dog always gets it bleeding a dog always gets it oh my god i hate this trope and um it's dripping blood and written in blood on the mirror is humans can lick too (laughs) And and that's the end of the story and i just the thought of this like girl putting her hand down to like touch her dog what she thinks is her dog and then like a human man like licking her hands. so and, gross like, killing her dog and like at what point did he kill her dog it's just like horrible yeah um and so for not kidding years years of my childhood I um would um run and jump into my bed <laughs> <laughs> every night <laughs> <laughs> um and I would not get up in the middle of the night for like any reason. Um because oh, no. I was so afraid of like a man being under my bed. Um it was and so my genuine childhood fear was um that there would be a man under my bed who would was going to kill me. That's <laughs> awful. Yeah. It was awful. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that, I've yeah,
1: read something similar to that like in um scary stories to tell in the dark like one of those books maybe yeah
0: I think it is like it's like in one of those books and like I had um I was on reddit like a couple years ago and like people were like oh what are some like classic scary stories that people have been telling forever and there was someone who was like, oh, I remember when I was a kid in the 70s, someone telling this story about, like, a guy under the bed. And I was like, man, this story's just been, like, making their rounds forever. And so there was something about that I found really comforting.
1: Mm. Is that <laughs> when it, like, when you snapped out of it?
0: Um, I probably got over it when I was, like, in my… 20s. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say teens. I was going to say, like… Definitely by the time I went to college, I wasn't scared of it anymore. It was, I think the peak of it was my entire elementary school years, though.
1: Oh, man.
0: Yeah. I feel like I kind of, like, once I kind of went to middle school, I'd kind of gotten over it by then. So, like, 13 and on, I was pretty good. But, yeah. Yeah, my childhood fear. is very real. As soon as you asked me this question, I was like, oh, I have an answer. <laughs> oh, man.
1: No. I w- as soon as I asked it, I was like, why did I ask that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. That happens sometimes, yeah. guys. But um, <laughs> it's our last episode. Uh, our last film episode.
0: Yes. This is our penultimate season episode before the finale. Um, so make sure you... Catch up on all of the episodes. Um, it doesn't matter if you miss them the first go-around, you have until we air the finale to catch up, post your answers to our questions in the comments, and we'll still send you stickers. You do all nine of them, um, then you'll get a fun bonus completion sticker if you're a completionist, like I know I am. So play along, it's free. It takes nothing but time, which we all have plenty of right now. So Get on it. See
1: you for the finale.
0: This was Not Quite Dead. Check out our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Not Quite Dead Podcast. And follow our blog for bonus content at Not Quite Dead Thanks for listening. Happy watching! stop I'm sorry mommy I was just really hungry if you feel that hungry why don't you go and eat shit